Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Welcome this morning. Uh, this morning, uh, the last goal that I have is to scare you. Uh, uh, last time I did this, I had a lot of people come up to me and ask me very concerned what I did to my face. What happened to me was I in a bike accident or something. No, I was not on my bike. Uh, this is a, uh, a chemical burn uh, to burn off precancer cells on my face. I do not have cancer, uh, but this is to try to keep me from having cancer. So that there's a pause there where I need to actually look like a monster before I can actually look good. So that's what's happening here. Uh, for those of you who are concerned, uh, do not be. <clears throat> and also, I hope I'm not a distraction for you this morning. Uh, yeah. The goal always in preaching is to, to be as ugly as possible so that you can't hear the sermon. You know, people would actually just be focused on your face. Just wanted to share that with you. Um, last time I did this, I didn't tell anyone about it, and uh, about half, a big group of you came and asked me what was wrong with me. And so I just wanted to dispel that right up front. I uh, thought that would be, get that out of the way. Why do people step into difficult situations? Why would you choose to walk in a place that's hard. Uh, many of us have done that. Uh, if you've gotten married, it was a choice you made, maybe ignorantly thinking that it was going to be easy, but you actually made a, <laughs> you actually made a choice uh, that brought you into some hard work. Now, granted, most of us would agree that the hard work was worth it all. Uh, I would imagine that many of you who are married today know stuff about yourself that you never thought possible. And you could have only discovered that in marriage. Would you agree with me? I see a lot of uh, anxious faces this morning. Yeah. Thank you for those of you who answered quickly. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, but we make choices that are difficult uh, and require of us difficult um, stresses and uh, difficult circumstances that we choose intentionally. Uh, many of you have studied, you've gone to university, or maybe you're con uh, con still in secondary school because your parents have made you be there. But uh, school, none of us would disagree that school or any higher education is, is hard. We, we agree that it's hard, it's difficult, but we do it anyway because we believe the rewards are worth it. Uh, right here in front, we have Hunga, uh, who uh, worked very, very hard uh, to become an air traffic controller. So he was away from his fiancée in South Africa, how long were you away from your fiance? About a year or two? How long was that? Yeah. You did it on purpose. Uh, yeah. 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 Not because you don't like your sweet now wife, but because you realized that going and getting an education, working hard, uh, was going to pay off. And now he's an air traffic controller for the, yeah, uh, for Namibia. I don't know if you know that or not. Yeah. We, we do hard things, and we do things because we believe the reward is going to be worth it. Um, the story, I don't know if you've seen this, the movie called The Alpinist. Uh, it's a story about a man by the name of Mark Andre. He's a Cana he was a Canadian climber who climbed extreme mountains. Uh, this is a movie that's, that came out, uh, I guess, several months ago. Dan and I watched it uh, together, and we're just spellbound by watching this man climb the craziest things I have ever seen in my life, climbing frozen ice. Just ice, ice that's been developed over time, uh, blocks of ice on mountains, hanging off mountains, uh, 
uh, and very high off the ground, and doing so with just two picks and climbing these pieces of ice. And the whole time we were watching this show, uh, Dan and I kept asking the question either out loud or internally, consistently internally, why? Why would this guy do this? What would possibly be the motivation? In his particular case, he came from a rough background, but had a passion for climbing mountains. And really, it was his, his passion for climbing that actually took him away from a life of drug addiction, moved him into what he considered to be a better life choice. He died at the age of 26, died young, but died happy. You look at his story and you think, why did you invest your short life into this pursuit of climbing mountains? Why do people run marathons? Why do people run marathons? Why do they join the army? Why do people jump out of perfectly good planes? Why do you jump in the ocean in Swakamun? Have you done that, anyone here? Yeah, no, no. So most people do not go into the ocean, but a lot of people do. And when you ask them why, they really can't give you a good reason, but they somehow feel better about themselves because they did it. Jesus invites us into the way of suffering, the narrow gate. So we are invited by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to enter into a difficult journey. Why would we do that? Why would you and I make that choice? Are we as crazy as Mark Andre? Are we as crazy as people who actually swim in the ocean in Swakamun? And if you are that person, I'm sorry, nothing personal. But Jesus invites us to a difficult way and it's worth it. Uh, Matthew 7, Matthew 7 verses uh, 13 and 14 says this. You can enter God's kingdom only through what? The narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. I want you to understand as followers of Christ that the invitation is to a narrow place. It's to a, it's to a hard place. But that's the invitation. And the rewards, though, are absolutely out of this world. Literally and figuratively. They are more than we can ever possibly understand. I would like to submit to you this morning that suffering for Jesus going the narrow way is highly underrated. That we see it as only a negative and yet the rewards are extraordinary. He invites us into the narrow way because it is the best way. How is, though, God's way narrow? How is it small? How is it difficult? Let me see if I can lay this out for you this morning of the different ways in which the way of Jesus is narrow. Maybe you have been told that you should be more welcoming or more inclusive. Very often the church, the church that follows Jesus Christ has been labeled as uh, exclusionist, exclusionist. I can't speak English this morning, but it, a, a, a body that, that keeps people out instead of being inclusive. Very often we're labeled as, as people who push others out instead of welcoming all. The reality, though, is that the narrow way, and the way it is narrow, is that the only way to the Father, the only way to have a relationship with God, is through Jesus Christ. Now, many would say that this is not true, that there are many other ways, that there are all kinds of other ways that lead, paths that actually lead to God. Jesus himself said that, no, the only way to the Father is through Him. 
He would say this at John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can have conversations with each other about different pathways, but it's very difficult for us to make a good logical case that Jesus felt would agree with us that there are other ways. Jesus himself says he was the only way. And in that way, the way is narrow because he is at the gate, he's at the door. The picture here of I am the gate and uh, of I'm the good shepherd, this idea of, of that he's the passageway. What shepherds would do was that they would build their, their sheep stalls with the doorpost the exact length of, of the size of the shepherd. So the shepherd could, could have his feet on one pole and then his head at the other pole, and he could monitor traffic that was going in or out. So this is the picture that Jesus is saying here. He's the way. No one gets in or out but through him. After Pentecost, after Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit comes, fills the 110 in the upper room, Peter becomes this very bold evangelist, the Apostle Peter. And so much so that he is going around town without any fear whatsoever. He was the one who was afraid of Jesus earlier before he received power. But then in Acts chapter 4, we see that uh, he's preaching. He's preaching the gospel and he gets arrested because he's preaching. Why was he, why was he arrested? He had really caused a commotion. Acts chapter 3, it shows us that a, 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 cripple, a, a crippled beggar who had been uh, crippled for many, many years uh, had um, uh, been healed because of the ministry of Peter. And Peter opened up the door then to a presentation. Over 2,000 people came to faith that day alone uh, because of his preaching. So he was arrested. They spent a night in jail. And then when they were brought before the council uh, the next day to, for them to, to make a case for what they had done the day before, this is, what, this is what Peter says, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He says this, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The council heard that and said, we need you to stop preaching. To which <laughs> Peter responds, listen, do you think we should, we should obey you or obey God? <laughs> there is no other name of which man can be saved. Jesus only. But it's also through relationship. It's not just that he's the doorkeeper. And many of us would acknowledge that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that Jesus lived, that he was killed, that he was crucified, that he rose again. But many of us did not know him. And he's the gatekeeper, but this involves a response from our side to, to know him, to actually respond to him and engage in a relationship with him. He invites us, but then we choose. Uh, there's a book that just came out by Sherry Turkle. Uh, she's a psychologist that works for MIT, a professor at MIT, and she's written this book on technology of how technology has warped our social lives and our inner lives in that we are more connected than ever. She makes the case that we are more connected than ever, but we are more alone than ever. She's written a book entitled, I love the title of this book, and the reason why I'm using her as an illustration, the title is Alone Together. We are arguably probably more together than ever before or connected, but more alone than ever. Her case is, and she's uh, interviewed uh, thousands of people for her research, and she's come to the conclusion 
that although we are more connected than ever, we are more alone than ever. And this is the picture we see in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, verse 26 says, that, Then you will say, But we ate and drank with you, and you taught on our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. There's a picture before this. Uh, sorry, Liam is doing a fantastic job. I'm going to show you this picture. Uh, this is actually the daughter of the author of this book, Alone Together, uh, of her daughter and her friends. She and her, her daughter invited her friends over uh, to be together. And uh, they're alone together. Very often, we are religious. We experience churchy things or Jesus things, but we don't know the Savior in which we're talking about. The key, the key to this entering this narrow gate is to enter into a relationship. It's possible even to, to read the Bible. It's possible to sing worship songs. It's possible to be very religious and yet not know Him. In this picture of Luke 13, it's the people saying, wait a minute, we were with you. We walked with you. We saw your miracles. We were around you. And He will say, I never knew you. We were together, but we did not know each other. The invitation to Christ is to enter into a relationship. If you look at uh, the authors of the New Testament over and over again, they would say that the, the secret, the key, is, is to enter into a relationship with God, to, to root our love deeply in Christ, that Jesus would make His home in our hearts and that we would enter into a relationship. The invitation is for us to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the way is narrow, the way is small, the way is hard in that Jesus is the gatekeeper. The way is narrow uh, because Jesus is, uh, is through relationship that we uh, have relationship with God. But also too, the, the way is narrow, the way is small because it's, it's, it's time sensitive in the sense that we have a window of opportunity to encounter this Savior, Jesus Christ, to enter into relationship with Him but there's a time when this is possible and there's a time when it is not. Luke 13, verse 24 says this, Work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be what? Too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us, but he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. This is the one thing we have no control over, right? When it's too late. We don't know when it's going to be too late. So when does the master lock the door? In this particular illustration, when, when is the door locked for you and for me? When is it time up? Time up. Door is locked when you die. Hebrews 9 says this, Verse 27, and just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly with him. But the opportunity to follow into that eternal world is temporary. Matthew 24, verse 42 says there, therefore keep watch because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. We just don't know. None of us have ever been able to predict our own death. We don't know when that's coming. Choose today. 
the time is short. But the way is also narrow, hard, I think, because it's actually hard. <laughs> it's, it's difficult. This life following Jesus Christ and the reality of this world is a hard life. It is. And we're invited to join in this life and to, to choose the hard way so that we can experience the eternal rewards. Paul Bloom, a psychology professor in California, writes a book, The Sweet Spot, The Pleasures of Suffering and the Search for Meaning. This is a secular writer, not a believer, who's trying to understand why people do hard things. His conclusions, he has several conclusions and theories of why people choose hard things. I'm going to share some of those with you. He believes in interviewing people that people actually choose hard things because they like the idea of mastering something difficult. There is an inner fulfillment of mastering something amazing. I feel a sense of reward when we make progress towards our goals and perform tasks well. I'm sure this was true for Andre, uh, uh, Mark Andre, the Canadian climber. Uh, he felt incredible fulfillment in, in conquering a mountain and uh, you know, being the best climber. Uh, mastering his particular profession. Uh, you might make a case then for professional boxing, for example. Professional boxers, uh, boxers actually uh, fill this incredible fulfillment and actually uh, beating someone after having worked out for, for months and months and training for this one particular event. There's this feeling of accomplishment, of mastery. There's also this, uh, this activation of the brain's uh, dopamine, I can't pronounce this word, dopaminergic reward system. In other words, the, the reward of dopamine that's released when you are successful at accomplishing something very difficult. We know that suffering can also provide us with a brief escape from self, right? Um, I, I have this model that uh, this is how I actually deal with stress. Very often if I'm too stressed, been in the office too long, I will choose an equal and opposite stress that's totally different from the stress that I have in my office to totally distract me from, from that. Uh, sometimes that's on a bicycle, but not always. Very often it's, uh, it's working with wood or welding or painting. Uh, it, it totally engages a different part of my brain and it's hard work. My body it doesn't work like it used. I've been doing a lot of painting and, and woodworking lately. Uh, I'm not suggesting that I'm super more stressed than ever before in my life, but, uh, but my, my body is having a hard time coping but it's really been good for me. Uh, I am sore. My back hurts. My head hurts. Uh, I've got a little sunburn in addition to the chemical burn. Uh, but my body is saying, wait a minute, but it's so good for my brain. It's really been good to relieve stress. Uh, your body is wired to respond positively uh, to pain. Uh, it warns you to avoid uh, certain things. Your, your skin gets thicker, right? When you start playing the guitar, the calluses, any one of you who play the guitar, you can see the calluses on your fingers have to build up. Uh, that's why you can't play the guitar for long periods of time when you start playing. Uh, and when you start playing, uh, you don't sound very good, so your parents are grateful uh, <laughs> that you have to build up your calluses because you don't play so long. <clears throat> but our bodies initially react to pain and suffering in a positive way. Uh, our body creates chemicals, adrenaline, other healing chemicals as a result of suffering and pain. It's interesting that your lymph system in your body, which, is, uh, which helps you with your immunity, only works and flows as your muscles move. It doesn't have its own pump organism. 
your body as you move and run and your muscles pump and that's what moves your lymph system uh, through your body. This is true even at birth when we were first born. Just going through the birth canal was good for us. That kind of pressure prepares us. So just the actual birth, going through the birth canal, prepares us for a world. Uh, natural immunity is built up instantly because of that really harsh moment of, of birth. You know that uh, babies, when they're born, is that their head actually uh, 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 is, is crushed slightly. Your head is designed this way, so there's soft pieces between bone that push your head together as you come out. Adrenaline is pumped in your body. You'll <clears throat> more than two hormones, adrenaline and noradrenaline, are pumped in, in a baby's body uh, more so than any other time of their life when they're born. But this helps them to breathe once they come out. This helps them to, to, to uh, respond to the shock of this new environment that they've been launched into. Uh, the, the body's immunity is increased because of suffering. So it's this idea of contrast, that, that beauty is only beautiful in contrast to something ugly. There's a lot of psychologists and people who've written about this idea, and there's a lot of truth to it, that sometimes we only understand something that's beautiful if it's next to something that's ugly. Uh, one author that I read, a business, uh, an economist, suggested, and I, I think I've probably shared this with you before, but he suggested that if you're going to a party, you're single, that you should always take a friend with you that's not quite as good looking as you. <laughs> so that when you actually meet a, 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 a prospect, that they look at you and your friend that's not as good looking as you, and they will choose you because... <laughs> they are able to see the contrast of both of you. You heard it in New Song Family Church, people. <laughs> contrast. It's this, actually a very secular belief that we only understand the good if we experience the bad. That we are actually unable to experience good unless we experience bad. You have to experience pain to enjoy pleasure. So the same goes. This theory is based on that we are products of our environment. If God is not part of your equation, then this is your natural conclusion, that we are only products of our environment, and, and as products of our environment, we only uh, respond to stimuli, so that the only way we can see good is if we experience bad. And it's a very secular explanation for why we need bad in the world, so that we can good. I would like to suggest to you an alternative approach. If you, if you believe in God, believe God exists, and if you believe the words of Jesus Christ who invites us to a difficult road, I would like to suggest to you that, that Jesus is amazing and, and the world of the life we can have in, in Jesus is fantastic, not because of evil that exists in the world, but because Jesus can stand on his own. There is intrinsic pleasure in Jesus Christ. It shouldn't surprise us that when Jesus entices us to follow him because of what awaits us in heaven, one of the motivators he says is that, guys, when you come to heaven, there'll be no more what? No more suffering. No more pain. No more tears. Is it possible that we can enjoy the heck out of life just in the presence of Jesus without having any more suffering and pain. 
I believe that this secular approach, this idea that we can only experience good if we've experienced pain, is wrong. Because Christ in himself, we were designed, we were designed to be in the presence of Jesus. We were designed to be in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. And so really what's happening here is that when we decide to follow Christ, we become a child of God, all of a sudden, everything in our body, pre-designed, says, yes, <laughs> this is what I've been looking for. And we go through suffering sometimes so that we can see Christ, not that we can believe in Christ. And often suffering is brought to us so that we will push every other distraction away so that Jesus can rise to the surface so that we can see him. The invitation to suffering is so that we can experience the reward of Christ. Christ is enough. Look what the writer says in 1 John 5, 11 and 12. I love this. This is a verse that you should actually take to, mem to memorize. And this is the testimony. God has what? Given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. The life in Christ is not because of the suffering. But very often, the suffering opens up this door for us so that we can see Jesus, respond to Him, and then experience life. God will allow us to go through suffering so that we can find Him. And He invites us to choose a hard way so that we can experience Him to the fullest here. This world is hard because it's hard. And Jesus is the way out. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I say choose Jesus because suffering in Jesus is highly underrated. The rewards are absolutely extraordinary. This morning, I'm not going to spend time giving you a list of all the rewards, but in my research, I can list at least 21 amazing things that are products of us suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. Let me read some of these for you. Life, a saved soul, glorification, perseverance, character, hope, fellowship in God's love, proof of being co-heirs with Christ, glory, comfort of Christ, patient endurance, reliance on God, fellowship with Christ, deliverance, refined faith, praise and adoration, inexpressible joy, victory over sin, condemnation, Commendation of God, not condemnation, but commendation of God. Blessing of Spirit of Christ. Joy. Inexpressible joy. That's worth repeating. We enter into the narrow gate because Jesus is worth it. And that's the invitation. It says work hard to come through the narrow gate. Pursue it. Pursue hard things. Pursue the difficult way because it's worth it. Lord Jesus, we give you praise today. Thank you, God, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, we love you. We thank you for the privilege that we have to serve you. Father, help us to understand fully what it means to walk this way with you. This is Rico Veca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. 
I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.